0: Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh, 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 oh You're listening to phone booth fighting. I'm Richard Hunter. He is Frank Meir and we are inside the phone booth fighting bunker. deep in the bowels of stately Mir Manor located in suburban Las Vegas, the Mirir family residence. Frank, uh, today we are focused largely, some may say exclusively, we'll see how the show goes, on previewing UFC 110, which goes down this weekend exclusively on pay-per-view from Buffalo, New York. The main event is a rematch between the UFC light heavyweight champion, Daniel Cormier, and the challenger. Anthony Rumble Johnson. The co-main event is Chris Weidman, former UFC middleweight champion, taking on rising contender Gegard Mousasi. Now, I actually... Uh, had phone conversations in the last 24 hours with both Chris Weidman and Gegard Musasi. So we're going to be playing the audio uh, from my conversations with them a little bit later in the show once we're breaking down the uh, co-main event. But before that, we're going to focus on the main event. And before that, I'm going to let everybody know and ask them to please visit phoneboothfighting.com, the all-new, totally revamped, spectacular-looking phoneboothfighting.com. What do we have there? Well, one thing we have, Frank, is an Amazon banner. Would you be so kind as to explain to everyone uh, why going there and clicking through the Amazon banner to do their Amazon uh, shopping is helpful to us?
0: Well... like if anybody or most people probably have the Amazon icon on their phone and, and that's usually the portal you enter. But so, uh, if you go ahead and just go through our Facebook page and, or excuse me, our webpage and enter through that banner, mm-hmm. um, it's no extra cost to you, and, and actually, I, I've went ahead and just set it as my home screen on my home screen as a, a shortcut. That way, if you do any shopping on Amazon, a small percentage goes back to uh, our show and helps us, uh, as you can see, improve the quality of what we're doing.
1: Improving by leaps and bounds uh, every day. Now it's uh, it was it was every month. It was month to month we we're making improvements. Then that got to be week to week, and now it's pretty much on a daily basis. So we're warp speed for 2010. You still got the garage folks. door open, all right? uh i do still have your garage door opener yes
0: it's gotten to the point where you have the garage door opener i turn the coat off to the house and you just come and go i think you're at my house more than i am
1: now yeah that's true yeah it is one of those things it's like for me in in relationships it was always this is you yeah (laughs) your bonsai tree for me in in relationships it was always once i gave the girl like a drawer you know a little drawer to keep stuff in and toothbrush moves in and all that kind of you probably don't have a lot of experience with that though because no. you got married early yeah i uh
0: i met mrs mere i was 22 yeah and i had one live-in girlfriend before that so i mean yeah. I, I moved out of my parents house mm-hmm. lived with a girl for about two years and then uh uh well i mean i lived on my own for about two years met a girl lived with her for about two years and then i went into uh, mrs mere moved in and um yeah
1: yeah See, I, I, I got. I lived with one
0: other person, you besides yeah. my parents.
1: Yeah, I got a, I got a long string of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, things weren't always good, <laughs> uh, so uh, that's that's future stories for future episodes. Uh, oh, hold on, let me let me unhitch the uh, the high security f- gate here. Hold on a second.
0: Let's just pull the thing forward.
2: Uh, well, then
1: the whole road case would go. Oh. Wait, okay. Got it. Okay there we go See,
0: some of your amazon sales could go to us improving upon the latch of the
1: yeah door. that's the one thing we don't have yet is a uh uh like a latch on the door to the uh Thanks, to the uh phone booth fighting bunker one of the canines has uh made her presence known that's thule right Yes. Thule on camera, but he can see. All right. Thule joining us for the, uh, UFC 210 preview. Uh, also, uh, before we move on completely from, uh, phone booth it is also there that you're going to find all of our previously aired and archived episodes, all 111 of them. New video is going up. Uh, I just today, you haven't even seen this yet, Frank, on our phone booth fighting Facebook page, which you can get to through phone Uh, our last episode episode 111 is uh the videos there in its entirety whole episode is up plus a highlight clip if you just want to hear the behind the scenes story the big reveal that uh frank dropped on everybody a couple of nights ago about how we almost had mark hunt inside the phone booth fighting bunker last month for a face-to-face interview
0: were you able to pick up when I grabbed the microphone, that it messed it up? Or?
1: Well, what I did was, if, if you want me to get really geeky for a second, and this is what we're going to do moving forward, this is a live stream, and we do want to make sure that the audio is working for everybody on the live stream. But what that's I did right. was it didn't mess up on the, the, the recording, the high-quality recording. The high quality recording. So so that's I, why
0: I couldn't tell in my earphone.
1: That's but, it. Okay. So I took that. I that's married <laughs> it to the video, and so it's got a different audio track than the live stream did. If you want to get really technical, so about
0: you have it. to sit there and sync it to our mouths or moving at the same time.
1: Actually, line? not really. That's why when I uh, when I begin the show uh, before people hear what actually uh, gets downloaded to their mobile devices. That's why I always say in three, two, one. Because when I line them up, I can see the peaks where I say three, two, one. Oh. A different way of doing it. Remember when um. Clap. Yep, when we did uh Fighter and the Kid and Chin did the uh the clap. That's why so he's doing spike.
0: it. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Trust nice, me. By by this time next year, you know what would be funny? We should have we should film you Attempting to uh, <laughs> sorry sounds bad <laughs> <laughs> to uh, edit our, our video feeds so up maybe sometime for uh, later on in the year once once we get all this worked out. All right, enough of all that. And uh, phone for all that stuff, plus all of our social media links and our online store. All the official phone booth fighting merchandise is right there at phone <laughs> Order your t-shirts and posters. That's a great way to support the show as well. All right, here's what we're gonna do. If you happen to have uh, UFC's Fight Pass, and why wouldn't you? If you want to cue this up, uh, I've pulled up the uh, first fight between Anthony Johnson and Daniel Cormier. Uh, This is right at the beginning of the round. So if you want to cue it all the way up to where uh, Big John McCarthy says, Are you ready? Are you ready? Fight. That's where I'm about to hit play, and again, we can't put this on the, the video stream because of copyright issues, volume is turned down, but Frank and I are going to be watching, using it as a point of reference, and doing a little quasi-fight companion while we talk about the rematch between Rumble and DC. So here we go. I'm going to hit play. I'm going to hit play. Is my legs in the way? Something's in the way. Hold on. I'll tell you what. Okay, there we go. All right, now we're happening. All right, they touch gloves, and... 456, 55, 54, 53 into the round to give you an idea of where we're at. Now, I was at this fight live, Frank. Um, It was at the MGM Grand. Of course, uh, we know that Cormier ended up submitting rumble. Now, in the... the, in the rematch this weekend. Let me ask you first, does it surprise you to hear, "Oh yeah, Cormier dropped early there." That's that's the Rumble signature, boy. I mean, you got to survive the 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 first uh I think uh, Cormier said something this week to the effect of uh, he's really dangerous for I think he said 7 minutes or something like that, like he's really got to be careful for the first round and a half of the fight. Now, what I recall about this exchange was Rumble dropped him early. That uh, couple of stiff shots have finished a lot of other fighters. Didn't finish Cormier. Dropped him. Didn't finish him. He proved he could take Rumble's shot. You think that's a fair assessment?
0: The shot didn't catch him full blast. If he landed okay. full knuckles on the chin, Cormier would have been unconscious. And that's nothing against Daniel. I mm-hmm. think that's anybody in the world. I think that Anthony Johnson... knocks out Roy Nelson, if he catches Mm -hmm. him just right. If he, you know, he just has that kind of power. He's that kind of power athlete. I do agree that, um, you know, that, that comes at a price. He's a very high octane, powerful athlete. I mean, the guy'd probably be a strong safety NFL, you know?
1: Um, Mm -hmm. uh,
0: But, so his endurance is a little bit more difficult. And, and, but I, I think that going into the second fight, I, I think the first fight I was pretty heavily thinking that Daniel would probably pull it off. But the second one, I think Anthony has a greater chance of success because it wasn't like Daniel um, was able to, you know, I know he was able to grind. But a lot of the stuff he did was kind of the mistakes that Anthony made. Uh, For example, when Anthony caught him with the overhand right, kind of on the side of the head.
1: You're talking about what we just saw, the very beginning of the fight. Here's
0: a good example. So what I saw right now was not so much that Daniel was able to impose his will to create the opening. Mm -hmm. He survived and took advantage of a mistake that Anthony made. But Anthony was able to, they were both squared up staring at each other, both neutral, both Basically, you know, uh, uh, neither guy has an advantage over the other guy. And Anthony's speed allowed him to come in, shoot, and land a shot uh, and hurt Daniel. Then the reason why Daniel's in on this grappling exchange of grinding and holding him down and taking him down was because Johnson, it wasn't ready. Uh, Daniel wasn't ready to be finished. So he jumped in too soon, missed it. If I was his coach, I'd be watching this film with him going, okay, see how you dropped him right here? next time just stand there don't back up let him stand up Mm. and start the exchange all over again like in your mind you scored you fell down because if we do this three or four times the fight's over with so instead of trying to rush him and finish him i would say okay boom you caught him all right reset Mm -hmm. you know take the center of the octagon, he has to come back and now he has to try to close the distance again because obviously there's a huge speed advantage for Anthony. Whereas I think the strength, you know, obviously the grappling advantage is for Daniel Cormier, but Daniel doesn't have a shot that he can take from the outside. Most of his shots come from you coming in or him coming in off an exchange and then changing levels, which is very good MMA. But all things equal, Daniel is going to have a harder time with than Anthony would. Daniel has to use greater technique. He has to be the more efficient take opportunity mm-hmm. when opportunities are given to him. Um, whereas Johnson, because he's such a good athlete, he can create things. So it's more or less if Anthony can close up the holes and mistakes that he made, it's dangerous. I don't know how much more Daniel can create things to happen. So basically saying that if, if Anthony doesn't make a mistake – I think that Daniel's going to have a hard time, but, but but I mean, that's not the easiest uh, uh, game plan in the world. Saying, well, if you don't make a mistake, I mean, obviously you can make little mistakes here and there, but uh, the major ones, like trying to you know to, to, to unload on every shot, on trying to um, uh, finish off Daniel before it's you know it, it's uh, it's too early. So again, this whole. Time of him grinding out, and this is uh, that's why I, I don't think that you know Anthony is as bad at cardio as people might be perceiving, especially because of Daniel's you know lead up to the fight. Mm-hmm. This is a hard grappling match, but this is where Daniel Cormier is extremely good at. I mean, he's very good at grinding. I mean, we've only really seen him lose. This style of fight once before, but that was to, you know, John Jones, who honestly, I don't think that he, Daniel could ever beat John. Yeah. You know, I just, it's the way it is. Because John is athleticism of, of an Anthony Johnson with the wrestling ability of a Daniel Cormier.
1: Now, that's the end of round one. I gave that to Cormier. I think everybody else did. I mean, uh, uh, Johnson, uh, due to the fact that he dropped Cormier. I think that's the way See, the it, other judges scored it. And well. I
0: almost would almost give that round to Daniel.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Because yeah. if you think about it, barring that one shot right there. Yeah that was all
1: yeah no you, you know what yeah you're you're right about that i mean there's a case to be made for that now two things that i just heard you say i want to follow up on number one when you say he made a mistake by uh going in cormier wasn't ready to be finished is that more difficult than it sounds i mean the way you describe it it's like yeah you know you just look down and you see if they're ready to be finished right but from the fighter's perspective can that Can that uh, mess you up in terms of, in that split second, trying to think too much about, is is he about to be finished? Is he not? Or do you just know instinctively? Well,
0: it's not an instinctive thing. I think you have to have enough training and enough experience, which Anthony has. So I think what you do is, and what I've always done, what I think about is when I hit somebody, and they fall down. If I see them immediately, as I'm, I obviously you have to cover them. So covering means I get a close enough position where I'm not in danger, mm-hmm. but I'm just outside your uh, threats. To where if I see the opportunity to to attack you attack. Uh, so I can't hit you and just watch you fall down because then if you are maybe momentarily stunned, I have to you know, come up on top of you. And, and I think you've seen me in fights do that before where I, I rush up on someone's feet and I, and I kind of give them a look like, okay, is this guy ready? For example, when I fought uh, uh, Noguera the first time, you see me drop him, but when I rush up on him, You don't see me go kamikaze crazy. I stay kind of in his guard, throw a couple shots. I'm trying to read like, okay, is he really hurt or was it a flash knockdown? Mm -hmm. And then I assess it. No, it's a flash knockdown. And you see me back up and go, okay, stand up. You know what I mean? Like you're not ready for me to, I'm not going to create chaos right now because I'm winning. I don't want chaos if I'm the guy who's winning, you know? Mm-hmm. The guy who's losing wants to create chaos because you're losing, and then through chaos, maybe you can flip the script, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something lands, you know? It's, it's kind of like, you know, you're losing the football game, you're the one throwing the Hail Marys. The guy winning the football game is running the clock down with, you know, three-yard run, four-yard run, keep it in bounds. Like, there's different strategy on depends on who's dominating and who's not. And so, uh, but then you've seen fights where I've stunned somebody, and then I can see that, okay, they are hurt, they're not out, it's time to immediately pass or get into a position to inflict more damage or look for a submission
1: and we're in the second round uh basically the way the the first minute of the second round goes is uh johnson opens up with a kicking game cormier catches one of those kicks Ends up uh, dumping Johnson and then uh, moves into. Actually, I think uh, lands once he dumps him lands in uh, in half guard and then moves to crossside, which is where he is now trying to apply a a Kimura. Is that uh, you know with Johnson opening the 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 kicking game? It was desperation. It, I was going to say, is that uh, a mistake against it, a guy it, like Cormier? It
0: was a huge mistake. Yeah. Again, Anthony, because of his speed and power, and this is me talking about a coach. If I had both guys. I'm like, man, I if you listen to me, I would have an easier time coaching Anthony to beat Daniel mm. than Daniel to beat Anthony because of their skill sets and their physical attributes and what they can learn, you know, what they can do. I would tell Anthony, like, look, you are never coming forward with anything but a jab. You can throw a jab and take a six-inch, eight-inch step forward and pepper, uh, 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 Daniel, but we are never coming forward with a one, two, three. We're not Mm -hmm. throwing kicks uh, above the knee or below the shoulder. If you want to throw a head kick, you can throw a head kick.
1: Because because that's what Cormier needs Johnson to do to take his shot. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you
0: kick to the body and it lands, it can Mm -hmm. score and it can hurt. But against someone like a Daniel who, you know, so what if you land one body kick on him? Unless it's a, a major liver shot and you put him down. But... You know, what are the chances? Okay, you know, let's say if I land 20 kicks. Two or three might be fight-altering kicks. The other, you know, 17, 18, you catch, you take me down, and now I'm on the bottom. You're recovering, you're resting, uh, and, and you're inflicting damage and winning the round and, and taking something out of my gas tank. Uh, head kicks are hard to catch. Mm-hmm. They just are. You know, they, It's just not a natural motion to try to catch someone's kick so if it's above your shoulder. So guys either block it, which somebody as powerful as Anthony, I would hope my opponent, if I was Anthony's cornerman, going, let's hope he blocks it because that's mm-hmm. going to jar his shoulders, The impact, and you've seen fights before where a guy tries to check a kick and they do it with one hand, they don't properly pull block, you know, and it wraps around the back of their neck. And it's, you know, and you see the guy start to stutter. Even the kicks that Anthony started throwing high started actually going through and giving uh, Daniel problems. But then you can't throw on a guy of Daniel's wrestling caliber. From his armpit down to the, you know, the, to about three or four inches above his knee, because that's where he's going to grab a single. So he takes the impact of the kick. If he steps off, hopefully he can lessen the impact and power and takes you out of your power point and is able to lock it up. And now you're on one foot and he has your leg and he didn't even have to change levels, didn't even have to endanger himself with an uppercut or a knee to grab your leg. You gave it to him, and so that's another mistake uh, that Anthony had made. So again, like uh, there, this fight here, I, I see so many mistakes that Anthony made, and and Daniel really doesn't make mistakes. He's a very sound fighter very very well established as far as uh, what he's able to do he does very well but again like it, you know just in, in my world I'm like man if I could get a hold of uh, Anthony we would just wouldn't come forward we would take the center of the uh the uh, uh, octagon the mm-hmm. cage and it's like look we're gonna pester him with ones and twos every time Anthony you know let's force let's force uh, uh, Daniel to throw a hand combination with you and then let him come forward trying to take you down um, because of the lack of speed that Daniel has at 205 he, he uh, if I was Daniel's corner I'd be like okay we're never ever gonna offensively take a shot on Anthony Johnson uh, he can knee hard he kicks hard and we just seen what his uppercut can do to Glover Teixeira and he's just had a lot of success with that you know he just knocked out a pretty vicious knockout artist on his own with that right uppercut so we don't want to challenge that because Mm. you know you know Usually when you see someone very successful, something in a fight, you know that instinctively they're going to go back to it at some point when you fight them because they've had positive affirmation that that works. So they were in the fight. They threw something. Their brain felt a certain level of success and going, wow, that felt really good. This uppercut's menacing. So Daniel has to be very careful about changing levels coming forward if he runs into that uppercut. And everybody in the world is going to go to sleep.
1: Now uh, we just saw the conclusion of the second round. Get ready to start the third here. And for the last four of uh, four minutes of the second round, Cormier's on top. Brian and Hard bloodies Johnson up, uh, cuts him. Do you think there was anything that Johnson could have done differently? from the bottom in terms of trying to get up or is that just the peril of having uh, Cormier's wrestling caliber on top Well, of I it?
0: think that if he would just go ahead and uh, a couple times use the, the shin across the, uh, the, the, the upper body and would just grab a wrist and just belly down and, and essentially almost give up his back but out there to where he can try to stand up. Mm. So here again, you know, Daniel doesn't make mistakes. The guy's been grappling for a long time. Mm -hmm. So even though he might not be the world's greatest athlete, he's one of the best minds when it comes to using what he has. And so you can see that here he takes advantage of all the mistakes that Anthony makes. Like here, Anthony Johnson, it's like, you know, very powerful guy. He just, took him down, but he can't control him. Hmm. And and so to me this is a tactical error. It's like, okay, you're already tired. What are you doing? Wouldn't it have been better just to, you know, sit back and just throw ones and twos and and make Daniel have to close the distance and 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 force him to have to cross into your firepower. Now,
1: all right now here's what's interesting about what you're saying is is it sounds like your recipe for Rumble's victory in this rematch on Saturday is to keep the fight standing. To uh to to not throw these three punch combinations no. to maybe you know a jab here and there until he has a chance to land that big power shot. Now what you're asking, I would tell him right? to
0: fight like a Cuban boxer. Okay. Have you ever watch amateur Cuban boxing? Yeah. They sit behind the jab. They yeah. line up their right hand. Boom. And they land it. Yeah. I would just if I was Anthony, I'd be like, look, you're just gonna pepper and yeah. jab him because we only need to land a couple times. Yeah. You know, we don't need to land a a, a barrage of punches. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Cormier has to stay busy, uh, you know, but Anthony Johnson, he possesses something that just, you know, and that's just the way the world of martial arts works. Some people just have certain attributes that I don't care what you do to go to the gym. Most people, if not everybody that I know, are, is never going to be able to generate the power that Anthony Johnson possesses. He just, you know, he won the lottery at birth.
1: Now, it, again, we're but now we're about midway through the third round. Cormier's had Johnson's back, and and he's had a couple of uh, near uh, uh, successful slipping in rear naked chokes. Of course, that's what he eventually gets him with. But it, I mean, Johnson really looks ground down at this point so is this the kind of thing where you know despite any preparation he can do or you know cardio and all that kind of stuff yeah that's what i'm saying it's like if he gets if he has a round with cormier like that second round do you think that it's a point of no return for Johnson. I'm saying if that were to happen again, the way he got, and that's the tap right there, yeah. uh, about halfway through the the third round. So, well, and
0: I would also just plan for that too. I'd be like, all right, look, Anthony, mm-hmm. if you do make a mistake or Daniel, you know, is able to get you down, um, and we do go down, we're not going to waste a lot of energy mm-hmm. uh, instead of trying to. You know, if you see the opportunity to get up and get up, get up. But if you feel that, you know, and Daniel's very hard to get up on, we're going to just, I would really work on, and he has, you know, does he still work with Neil?
1: Yeah, Melanson, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So
0: I would just, look. Put him back into guard and protect from anything major happening and Mm -hmm. breathe. Daniel doesn't possess the power to knock him out from in the guard. Right. So I'd say, hey, we're just going to survive. You're losing on points, but we don't. I would rather you lose the round than to waste a ton of energy or or attempt to throw out a ton of energy out there and then have no success with it. So then in the next round, when we start neutral standing again and there's our opportunity to win the fight, you're going to have less in the gas tank. So I would be like, look, who cares? Mm We just have to land once.
1: All right. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, If we look at the the handful of fights that the guys uh, collectively have had, Cormier and Rumble, since they last fought each other, Johnson has not had... The kind of fight that you're describing after this fight he just went back to his old mo of knocking guys out real quick you mentioned glover to share earlier all right mm-hmm. so uh so rumble has just done more of that i mean good for him but he hasn't had a trial run doing like what you're describing right which is the keep the fight standing take it into the you know the the middle rounds, the late rounds, whatever, and uh, uh, jab and then patiently wait for the big shot. Cormier, by contrast, I think maybe had more of that stand-up war with the fight that he had with Alexander Gustafson. Yeah, because he won that fight, but I mean, and, and not that Gustafson has Rumble's knockout power, but he is a taller, longer fighter who wanted to keep the fight standing. So, do you think it's fair for me to say that of the two, I think Cormier in his fight with Gustafson may have experienced more along the lines of what you're describing than Rumble has had a chance to experience?
0: Well, yes, and also too, just Daniel's career as a wrestler, he's really yeah. been able to to to. Uh... Um, Coincide those styles, so it's Mm -hmm. like his MMA style is different than his wrestling style. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he uses his wrestling techniques, but still has that same style of you know I'm going to be busy, put pressure on you, and you make mistakes. I'm going to make you pay for those mistakes, and then you know, and then I'm not going to ever give you really a lot of mistakes. You know, if you watch Cormier, doesn't really. Uh, uh, give you anything for free,
1: yeah. whereas
0: Anthony Johnson gave a lot of things away for free. So you know, and again, I think it just is changing the mentality. I think Anthony, to uh, to avoid fighting a long term fight because he has power, he goes in there, you know, he's able to crack and 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 put people away. But at the same time, be like, okay, you possess that power, don't allow someone to grind it away from you even if you're not in a position to knock them out you should sit there and be very patient almost like a jiu-jitsu specialist going okay i'm going to just weather the storm right here look for my opportunities knowing that the minute you make a mistake um, i can end the fight
1: do you th- are you uh, so so you're you're picking Rumble to win the rematch if he were to follow the game plan like what yeah, you're if, prescribing if, there.
0: If both guys fight without making a mistake mm-hmm. Anthony should win. That being said, statistically and just going through their past behavior Anthony makes many more times mistakes than well it's easy to say that because daniel really doesn't ever screw up Mm -hmm. i don't think i've ever watched a daniel cormier fight and watched him do something going well that was stupid why'd you do that
1: yeah well and 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 correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like what you're qualifying as a mistake against cormier is not Necessarily a mistake against a lot of other fighters. The idea that 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 Rumble comes in, uh, be, you, no, know, you know, berserker style and barasses you. If yeah?
0: I would have been mad at him if he'd done that to anybody. If I was Corden Anthony and he hit the, the knockdown on Cormier, okay, he crowded himself. Whether Daniel was good at wrestling back, he never gave himself opportunity to finish him because he jumped in, got too close, so. The striking coaches would have been like you—you you, you smothered your punches and your strikes. The grappling coaches would have been pissed, saying, "Hey, you got in too close. You gave up easy takedowns." Mm. Uh, I think everybody would have been just, uh, 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 you know, upset that he didn't—he was wasn't he was too uh, aggressive and that would have allowed most fighters if they had survived the punch like Daniel did to be able to possibly come back. Anthony Johnson opened up the door. So that was a tactical mistake against anybody. Mm -hmm. You don't ever rush your, you know, you don't rush, a finish you don't rush a knockout because you don't know you know because there's a scramble there's an opportunity to maybe finish the guy but if you run in there i mean you've seen it before i mean in boxing a guy gets knocked out a guy yeah. flurries and jumps on him and the guy's covering up and the, you know fighter a who's you know just knocked down fighter b is hitting him on the forearms the shoulders he's getting tied up because he's running in too close and the other guy's just able to hug him where you see the boxer that goes out there and just like all right knocks you down lomachenko mm-hmm. is a perfect example of that is somebody that when he hurts you you'll see Guys get dropped, they get back up. He just resets. He's like, All right, I mean, he'll come forward and be physically aggressive with his feet and his Mm -hmm. head movement, Mm -hmm. but he's not, he's like, All right, you know. I'm winning, but it doesn't mean I'm going to try. He doesn't throw his game plan out. Like he's still thinking, okay, just because I dropped you right now, I'm going to go through all the proper reads to drop you again, you know, without just, oh, you're hurt. Let me just throw caution to the wind and come forward. And that's what Johnson did was he threw caution to the wind, ran forward uh, and rushed and it threw off all the technique and all the other areas because he's like, oh, Daniel's hurt. Now I don't have to use good technique. I'm just going to rush him. Why would you do that? Just still come forward, come forward aggressively, but stay behind proper technique.
1: I saw Anthony Johnson say today that he thought it was a slap in the face to Cormier that odds makers have set Cormier as the underdog. Johnson thought that Cormier should be the favorite. No, I mean, that's on one hand, that's kind of a polite thing to say, act of deference to the champion. But does that surprise you at all that, uh, that Cormier would be the underdog in this fight?
0: Uh, a little bit, just it does he, me a yeah, little bit too. Yeah, Daniel's pretty dominant. I mean, we've only seen yeah. him really, you know, lose to, to once. Yeah, uh, <laughs> once. I've seen him lose one time. Yeah. Whereas, uh, and and again, like I know I'm pointing out a case because that's just my brain being a mm-hmm. you know a strategist going, okay, what could this guy do? What can that guy do? But now that's in a vacuum. That's mm-hmm. in a perfect world where I'm talking about this, the different uh, variables of this occurs or this happens. But most likely Anthony Johnson's going to make mistakes and most likely Daniel Cormier is not. And over a r- five-round fight, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I I think it's hard to bet against Anthony. Like I, I think it's pretty even, but I wouldn't say that Daniel's an underdog for, you know, I think realistically – I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel wins. You know, if they fight each other 10 times, I'm willing to bet Daniel's going to pull off more of the victories than Anthony.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm, I, I liked the first fight. I thought it was, uh, in fact, when Jones, when John Jones, uh, dropped out of it because of the, I think I get all the reasons every, every time he's had to pull out of a fight or get suspended. I've gotten to where I get them all confused now, but I believe this particular time was rear end in the pregnant woman. I think it was that that happened because they stripped him of the title. She, was she
0: okay? The baby and everything. All yeah, right.
1: the baby was fine, but she had a broken arm, as I recall. Oh. Yeah, but uh, uh, the this was when they stripped him of the title because it was for the interim title, uh, and then uh, Cormier says at the end of it, "John Jones, get your shit together. I'm waiting for you." Whatever. Now, John Jones is, uh, my understanding, is going to be there Saturday night. Part of it is probably because it's upstate New York, which is kind of the area, this area he's from. But of course, also a lot of people are going to have their eye on him getting the winner. Uh, Cormier uh, said something to the effect of he thinks it's ridiculous that John Jones would show his face there under suspension, and something bad's going to happen if he were to try to get in the cage. What do you think about the idea if, if if Jones is there kind of, you know, reinserting himself in that equation? Well,
0: I think that it's the right thing for the UFC to do. Yeah. Uh, he is the king of the uh, 205 weight class. In my opinion, he's still pound for pound the best fighter in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, John's never lost a fight besides being disqualified the one time against Mark Hamill. And he's fought everybody besides Anthony Johnson, mm-hmm. Matt you
1: know? Hamill. Although it would be fun to see him fight Mark Hamill sometime.
0: Matt or Mark?
1: Matt. What did I say? Mark. Oh, Mark, I say Mark is Mark is Luke Skywalker. Oh, Mark that's Arnold, Mark Hamill. So. Matt Hamill. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> We're like a married couple. You well, know what well, I mean? <laughs> yeah. But let me just say if Mark Hamill and I, I don't know what state they're going to fight in, but if he is allowed to use the force, that could be an entirely different fight. Choke force somebody, yeah.
0: Force choke him. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, uh, so yeah, I think he should be there. Uh, you know, and I think that Daniel, I mean, he's a very intelligent guy. I think he understands that too. He's just trying to, uh, you know. I think everybody's trying to take a script out of Chael Sonnen and Connor McGregor's yeah. uh, playbook because I, I, I feel I understand the frustration that a Daniel must feel when they realize that. Connor makes more money than probably all the champions combined in one fight. Yeah. Uh, Because they look at it and go, okay, well, fight wise and record wise and pound for pound where I stand, um, you know, Daniel is, is superior of a fighter in the octagon to the accomplishments of what Connor has. Mm hmm. But Conor makes multiple times more money than he does. It's not even close. Uh, Conor could stop probably fighting today and Daniel could fight for the next 30 years and not make the same amount of money. Um, so they see that, okay, I got to get people to want to tune in and watch me in the bravado and, and, and whatever the shtick is. And Conor has it. Conor is just, you know, the, the guy is a marketing uh, uh, dream. You know? Yeah. Uh, Daniel just, you know, I don't have that, you know, just, you know, some guys just, you, you got to kind of have what you, you know, deal with what you have. And if, maybe if you can create it, you know, Chael, you know, shit, man, take some classes from him, I guess, because I don't remember Chael having that also at the beginning of his career. No, no, he didn't. And he figured out a way to do it. Yeah. So I think Daniel needs to talk to Chael and go, okay, how did you do it? Or, you know, what did you watch? What was your mindset? And take some coaching because Daniel Cormier uh, you know, and John Jones, same way. You know, those guys just, you know, on the mic when they grab, they're not really dropping one-liners that are all over, you know, TMC the next day.
1: There is something weird, though, about I don't get Cormier getting booed. And there's something about it's, it seems to tie in specifically to the Jones-Cormier dynamic. And something happened in there where Jones became the – the to some people, I think like the I don't know if, you know, outlaw is the right word or just some weird thing where they actually just sort of embrace the fact that he's this rebel and they don't like Cormier because Cormier seems like the the more buttoned up type. I honestly don't get that. I'm I'm kind of I think Dana ah. said something like that this week, too, and I don't really get that either. It's one thing if you're just
0: I think that Daniel made a mistake. You have to be careful when you are having a battle of words with somebody. Yeah. Because you can very easily see someone's weakness. Yeah. And then by me attacking that weakness and going, well, you screwed this up, Mr. Hunter. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden I turn the crowd on me because now they sympathize
1: with you. And now- Because <laughs> there's a bunch of guys in the crowd go, hey, I got a DUI. Hey, well, you're talking about I me. Think
0: that, you know. think you can get in there and, and I think some people can relate to it. I mean, you can simplify yeah. it. I mean, shit, I, I could do it. going, who hasn't been young and done dumb shit? Made mistakes, you know? And then, so, but you could attack it the right way. I think the way Daniel attacked him was a little too smug mm. and that rubbed people the wrong way. So a lot of people went there and go, well, shit, you know, you know, leave the poor guy alone almost. I mean, whereas really John did make a mistake and it should be his to own, but I Daniel just tactically is was not did not wasn't able to convey that concept over to the crowd, and in turn, basically by attacking John, turned himself into a bad guy, right? Yeah. I mean that's what happened, and and it just
1: uh. I, I'll tell you this though I didn't go with him I, I didn't go with him on on that because, yeah but you're
0: also a very small yeah, percentage of society oh, I
1: thought you were gonna say I'm also very smug I am <laughs> no not at all but but
0: how often do we go out yeah and you're the how how often do you have somebody else who doesn't drink, doesn't right. smoke, who's never tried a drug in their life, yep. who's been exposed shit your grandfather owned a, a liquor store you, you you were in a rock band by the time you were in you're in high school touring the countryside uh you were resuscitated
1: th- an nba player yeah, I mean, having you, a you drug over a brothel
0: <laughs> you've done stand-up comedy you've run, you've pretty sure. much been around all the most diabolical depraved uh, <laughs> walks of life that people can walk and here you've come through without any uh, uh, deviance so i get why you're like well come on you know like that whole, hey, man, you're young, I know That's that, the one that it pisses me. you off. That's yeah, the one you. that bothers now, me. Now, somebody yeah. such as myself, who yeah. I was born and raised in Vegas. I worked at a strip club as a bouncer yeah. for eight years. I've been around and noticed human nature and the, fall- the, the fallacies that we have inside of us and the shortcomings that even the greatest of men and women can come across. So I'm extremely sympathetic towards... I I'm a firm believer that good people do bad shit all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I know that people might think I'm crazy and say, I'm like, you know, a good person, you get them in the right moment, the right scenario, they they do. We do dumb shit sometimes. Yeah. I don't think that immediately I just condemn you as a, Well, you're just a piece of shit. It's like really, who is just wakes up in the morning? It's a complete just. I mean. Not saying they're not there, you know. There are the Jeffrey Dahmers and Ted Bundy's of the world, yeah. But most people just are a a combination of just fucked up shit, you know. Good attributes and fucked up things. I mean, you know. uh,
1: So well, but see, and and if I heard more of that, like I what I want to hear the dumb person saying, "I'm stupid." You know, rather than a bunch of other people around you saying, "Well, it's not necessarily a bad person, but they're doing dumb stuff." The the reason the thing about I'm young bothered me so much is, are you going to carry that into your forties because you've you've you, you know, or into your thirties? I because you you basically took it up to thirty and you're still claiming that you're young and you got like you know three or four kids or whatever. I mean, it's like no, you're not you're not young anymore. You're you're a dad. You're yeah. you know, no, so, John
0: definitely has to you know that yeah. that that. Route is uh, that well of excuses, uh, yeah. or, you know, or, or even not it's excuse. just like it's <laughs> just, it's
1: you know, it is. It's like claiming you made a rookie mistake your fifth year in the league. I that's that's no. the, of life. That's what I'm saying. No, with that. I mean, yeah. but
0: and I think hopefully, John, you know, uh, uh, obviously, you know, improves his uh, his outside the uh, cage uh, conduct. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I think he'll he'll be doing extremely uh, well. You know, uh, you know. Uh, most guys become light heavyweight champ of the world at 25 years of age uh, are probably. If I put most humans in that situation, are gonna kind of have a laundry list of mistakes they're gonna make because of opportunities, money, and popularity, and 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 you're around a bunch of people that are afraid to tell you no because they want to be your friend. You know, whereas yeah. if I like, example, that's why I really value your friendship. Um, if I were to say, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and do this, you know, obviously. I'm a full-grown man that has children. You're not going to stop me. Mm-hmm. You're not going to run to the phone and call, you know, let me get, you know, but you're like, know, well, hey, Frank, you know, we'll look at it this way, you know, and you try to inform me of the alternate, you know, route right. that this possibly could right, occur. Right. But you don't, you do it even... With the without any apprehension that, well, Frank might not like me anymore and I might not be your friend anymore. I mean, look, now we're business partners. I mean, yeah. you're willing to still take that risk to tell me something yeah. I might possibly not agree with and not like or even maybe resent you like, well, I won't eat this piece of cake right now. you know? and I don't mm. give a shit. You know? mm-hmm. And we'll screw you for fucking telling me not to. Um, whereas when you are in that situation well you see it i mean i can point at different people i've had in my life and you be like hey why i'm like because they never tell me no yeah, <laughs> and, yeah and it's not a very good recipe to have somebody around you that doesn't know how to say no to you because they're afraid that you're going to get rid of
1: them i think the other reason that i hang up a little bit on that that john jones thing is because early i mean you were just talking about like you know careers i've had and things i've done i mean i got around that world very early and i mean when i was 16 17 i'm playing with old blues musicians yeah, that what are in their me 60s more than that the, in, actually what really impressed scary me about bars yeah
0: is that i would have thought if you would have told me this story of your upbringing yeah. in your life i'd be like oh okay so you must have a really strong male role model that was there mm. constantly grabbing you by the collar going, okay, hold on, Richie. Yeah. If you go left, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. If you go right, this is what's going to happen. Now, now, you know, yeah. you know, you know, let's, let's look at this, you know, yeah. but really, I mean, talking to you, the relationship you had with your father. So, yeah. You didn't. You you really made your mind up on your own, which I find yeah. impressive. You didn't have, you know. Yeah, my, <laughs> Paul my, Stanley was your hero. That's right. <laughs> but my, I don't think he was calling you up and giving you advice too much back thirty years ago.
1: My my father figure was it was deductive reasoning. But I just think that that what I was going to say though is that being exposed to some of that stuff. Yeah, now I wasn't, you know, multi millionaire, of course. But in terms of having a lot of stuff made available to you really early and, and yeah. you know, not a lot of immediate consequences and stuff, I will say I think it actually helped mature me. Not the opposite. I think actually being exposed I to it. see that. Because if you look around, I think it just matters how much you think it's you're the exception or you're invincible. Because what I did was I looked around at a bunch of other people and went, oh, see I, there? I'm turning out like that.
0: That's the problem, yeah. though. That's, that's what i told you that
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's the problem that i, I wish that, that, that there was a sports counselor orientated towards athletes to help us with our personal life mm-hmm. uh, you know i've gotten older i've gone to counseling now me and the wife we talk and you know and, and there's things that you know we've worked through because if you have a brain that you think that you can you're invincible well how are you going to tell me that i can't pull that off i've yeah. pulled off some pretty crazy shit in my life So all of a sudden, you know what I mean, like, you know, talk about, you know, hold my beer, let me try. Mm -hmm. I've been that guy my whole life where it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if that could be done. And I look at it, I'm all, hmm, I think I could do it. You're like, you realize that the chances of you crashing and and burning out are probably pretty high. I'm all, if I crash. Yes. (laughs) And so, but that also enabled me to stare across the, uh, you know, cage of Brock Lesnar's and and the Noguera's and the the Miracle Crow Cops of the world and go, "Eh, I can do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can pull this off. Yeah. Whereas, you know, other people might start, you know, more intelligently you know, or look at the statistics and go, you know, this is a bad idea. If, you know, if I drive my motorcycle 170 miles an hour splitting traffic, uh, this could be a problem if I, I crash. Well, professional athletes, <laughs> I don't think we're, that part of our brain functions as well as it should
1: yeah yeah and 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 i guess to that degree it's uh that one of the things that's always amazed me is that when so much money gets involved that rather than these guys being afforded one yes man after another that the person who really does control them i'm talking about the promoter but they or don't the control mother. them either
0: a manager is the biggest mm-hmm. yes man of the whole group
1: yeah Think yeah. about it.
0: I make a, if I'm your manager mm-hmm. and, and you're a comedy act and, and, and I'm making 10% off of your million a year, mm-hmm. I walk into the back room and you got a line of fucking drugs all over the table, am I really going to be the guy that clear? No, nah, come on, man. You can't be doing that. Because you're probably going to challenge the contract now or, or I'm going to lose you when the contract is up. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's a servitude where I have any kind of real authority over you. Uh, I'm making money off of you too.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Then you know who, who can ultimately stop that then is the power of the consumer yes. because that's, that's who actually yeah. can, can dry up the money. Well,
0: <laughs> that argument has been made for a while. Like, I don't yeah. know why the card that, what, what's I that know. girl? Look, we're, we're going to give her fame here too. the, the, the one chick. Uh, I don't even know her name and, 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 and fuck God, I probably am eventually going to know it. Mm. Um, but the, how about that? I had to have her explain to me
1: I, the other night, I, I'd heard enough of it, and it was referenced on television, and I, yeah. I turned to my years younger girlfriend, and I just said, okay, I give up. Who is this person? Explain yeah. it to me. So that
0: how about that girl yeah. I just read on the internet in an article saying that she's getting her own television show.
1: Oh, good. So talk I, about
0: the power of the consumer. <laughs> the bigger moron you are, I mean, look at it. I mean- our souls yeah. are geared towards that you know I, the the more just uh shocking you i don't know if it's being a moron but i think being just against the grain people want to see things that are different that are you know we like stepping outside you know you know who wants to see the same shit they see at work every day they 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 flip the channel on they want to see somebody who's just you know uh, the jersey shores i mean uh, i yeah. never understood like i was just it, i i I'm not entertained by it per se, but but I also too I think I fit in a small percentage of the world that isn't.
1: I'm not entertained by it either, and that's why we offered you a suitable alternative twice weekly right <laughs> here on the phone booth fighting podcast. We got to talk about this co main event real quick before we run out of time. Oh. Chris Weidman, oh, shit, I know man. a friend of yours, former UFC middleweight champion, taking on Gegard Mousasi. Let's listen to a little audio, and then we'll break down the uh, co-main event, what we expect out of this thing. Uh, I talked to both these guys within the last 24 hours on the phone, Chris Weidman and Gegard Mousasi. Asked them a question or two, and here's how that went. Joining us on the guest line right now, the former UFC middleweight champion, Chris Weidman. He's co-main eventing uh, this weekend, Saturday night, on pay-per-view at UFC 210, taking on Dutch striker Gegard Mousasi. How you doing, uh, Chris? Good to talk to you again, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great, and uh, really looking forward to this matchup this weekend. You know, um, as these things go on paper, uh, Gegard, uh, you know, immigrating from Iran to the, uh, the long, rich tradition of, of Dutch striking obviously is, is uh, dangerous on the feet. And, uh, you know, it's hard to predict these things, but uh, he, he is saying that he wants to keep this fight standing. In fact, he guarantees he will. You may have other ideas in mind. How, um, you know, how sure of a thing do you think that is in terms of the way this stylistic clash looks?
2: Oh, I don't
3: care. He I, he's trying to. He's saying that he promises he won't get taken down. That's I don't really care what he says, and uh, I don't care if I don't get a down. To be honest with you, if I don't get a takedown, that's that it's, he's going to be getting knocked out. That means he's so focused on not getting taken down um, that he's going to be get He's going to really let his guard be open on on his feet, and he's going to be getting knocked out. So. Um, Wherever his focus is, it doesn't matter. Um I'm just focused on myself and that's gonna be mixing it up between the punches and the kicks and the takedowns and he's not gonna know what's coming. So he has uh he has to worry about what I'm gonna do. I'm not I don't give a crap what he's doing.
1: Wanted to ask you about uh how uh the the training camp for this particular fight has come together. Of course you've got your uh, longtime coach and partner uh, ray longo with you but i did notice in the ufc embeddeds that uh, mark henry's coming over who's a an east coast native up there he's a guy that's always associated with with frankie edgar and uh eddie alvarez so so i'm sure you guys have, have worked together maybe in some capacity before or no was this kind of more of a a drop-in thing or or how did his uh his tutelage kind of work into the the preparation
2: you know, in you know, the last
3: couple of fights, um, we started working together. And um, he, he I was driving out to Jersey, but for this camp, he just came out to, to New York. Um, and uh, it's been great. You know, I think it's helped my hands a lot. I've made them, I think, faster um, and got my footwork better. And so I think he's helped a lot. And also game planning. He's, a, he's, he's obsessed with watching tape. So to have a guy with more eyes on the guy I'm fighting uh, to give me feedback is always good.
1: You know, it it seems like uh, as long as I've been interviewing uh, Ray Longo or or Matt Serra, even before uh, you were middleweight champion. Mean, you're just really coming on the scene uh, in in the UFC. They were always touting you as a guy who who was gonna be champion. And I was thinking, you know, th- this is one of these situations where it must really come in handy to have a coach with you who's been there since the beginning, because you know, Ray's talked about how uh, you know, there 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 are certain things that he's looking to kind of re- restart with you. And, you know, if this had been a coach that maybe you'd only worked with your last few fights, it, he may not have really been there to see the whole picture, you know, from beginning to end. Is that something that's really helped in that capacity is having the guy that's been with you since the beginning so he's seen the the entire timeline and the evolution to, to really grasp, you know, where everything's at right now to get right back into uh, title conversation?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Longo... Ago... Having a guy like long ago, since the first day I learned how to throw a punch, he was there. You know, so mm-hmm. um, this guy is the complete evolution, transformation. He see me through setbacks, uh, injuries. Uh, you know, he see me. He see me through every possible thing you could do. He see me wrestle. He see me do jujitsu. He see me. He see me the evolution of my striking. So he's been there since the beginning, man. So um, he knows me. He knows me. Every- yeah, obviously physically but also mentally. You know, he knows he knows me uh inside and out. He knows my family, he knows I couldn't ask for a better group of people around me.
1: You know, in in accepting this fight, how important was it to have a a, a rising opponent like Musasi, a guy who's won Uh, Four straight, six of his last seven. You know, you're you're sitting there ranked number four by the UFC. Uh, I I thought you you were doing very well in in that um, in that fight against Yoel Romero uh, up until the finish. So you know there there's obviously uh, a lot on the line here to get you right back into like I said that uh, that title conversation. But you need a willing dance partner. You need you need a guy who to have a win over is really going to mean and say a whole lot. So I know you don't. Pick and choose opponents per se, but is this one of these things where you look on paper and you make sure that the guy you're planning to get a win over Saturday night really means you know a, a whole lot in terms of what you've accomplished by the end of the fight?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't want. I don't want to take a step back. You know, um, and Musashi's on a four or five win streak. Everybody's ever. Everybody I've ever fought in my whole career, something from my first fight. I've been on a win streak. I've never fought a guy coming off a loss, and so that's. If I was to get a guy who, um, you know, people might think I'm just going to run through, uh, what does that win really do for me? I don't need right. a mental pickup of a guy to beat a guy who uh, everybody already thinks I could beat, and I, I know I could do that. I want to beat a guy who people think, you know, uh, people right now think, you know, I'm I'm in a mental tough spot. I'm coming off two losses, and they think uh, Musashi has all this momentum going forward. And that that's, that could be a, a factor in this fight. I want that. I want people to think that. So this motivates me extra and definitely helps me get closer to be fighting for the title as opposed to fighting a guy who uh, people already know I'm going to beat.
1: I, I, lastly, I did see, uh, I, I believe it was Ray, talk about the fact that for this camp in particular, Uh, you know there were other things going on with the extended family Uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson had a title shot I know you guys uh, trained together and uh, John Vellante another one of your longtime partners had a fight going on and uh, if if I'm not mistaken he was saying that you know rather than sort of travel to be in all the corners and the kind of things you would normally want to do that uh, this particular fight camp you you really focused on uh, staying close to home was that was that kind of a conscious decision or more just the way you you were you were feeling at the time you know has that ended up uh uh affecting the way you feel now just a couple of days out from the fight how much of a of an intentional plan was that
3: oh yeah no i had to i had to make some sacrifices you know obviously i want to be there for my teammates and and one of the boys not my family and uh, and flante's my best friend so i wanted to be there for those guys and help them out help them out as much as possible but uh, honestly i just had to be selfish i had to be selfish at this point um this is this is just too big of a fight for me. I'm too. Um, this just means too much to me for um, for me to be going out and helping other people right now. I needed to focus on me, and they completely understand. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like tough conversations or anything. But um, I had to focus on me.
1: Chris Weidman takes on gayguard Mousasi in the co-main event of UFC 210 on pay-per-view this Saturday night. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Weidman UFC. Chris, as always, appreciate the time, man. Good luck Saturday.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it, bud.
1: Gegard Mousasi joining me on the guest line right now. He is co-main eventing this weekend's UFC 210 fight card, uh, available exclusively on pay-per-view. He's taken on the former middleweight champion of the world, Chris Weidman. Gegard, good to talk to you, man. How are you? I'm good, thank you, sir. Looking forward to seeing you in action as always, and a a big test on the line against uh, the former champion Chris Weidman. You know, first I want to ask you about how the the fight styles match up here. You're a legendary uh, striker coming out of the the Dutch tradition. Uh, Weidman, known as a wrestler, I've seen that you have. Uh, pretty much guaranteed there's not going to be any, any takedowns in this fight, so I, I guess my question is, how much of that did you have to focus your training on, and how much of it, uh, you know, did you already possess? I mean, you, you've been around a long time, and this isn't uh, the first guy that you've had to face that was going to try to take you down. Well,
2: you know, I've trained wrestling a long time, yeah. but for this fight, the focus was all takedown defense. Uh, you know, I don't need to become a wrestler. Yeah. I just need to defend it well. So, you know, I know I how the training plan. So I'm confident. Uh, if he takes me down, I work on to get up right, right way up. Uh, other than that, you know, it's MMA. It's like comparing ping pong to tennis. They're totally different sports. So I'm prepared. At the end of the day, I know, I know what he's gonna do. He come forward. He pressures. He, he uses his wrestling. He grinds it. He works on the conditioning. That's the way he always fights. But you know, at the end of the day, I know how he's going to fight.
1: I saw that you had uh, had had made a comment that you've noticed in watching tape on Weidman that he doesn't tend to shoot when he's when he's fighting backwards. Are there any other signs or, or tendencies that that you've picked up on like that 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 you expect for Saturday?
2: Well, I, I don't think he's a uh, very fast and uh, very explosive. Uh, he's a strong individual. Uh, he comes forward because he likes to pressure, but uh, you know, those are things not going to happen against me because I have the better stand up. I'm going to pressure him. Uh, you know, he should be worried about that, and uh, he will find out Saturday.
1: You know, you have had a uh, an incredible run in the last year, uh, four fight win streak, six of the last seven beating uh, ranked opponents. And I know there's been a lot of talk about why we haven't seen you, uh, in, in a title fight yet, but I also know you're letting your, your contract, uh, th- this is the last uh, fight on your, your deal before you go to free agency. So, uh, how has that been a distraction at all? Because I know that sort of thing has to be on your mind that, uh, you've been waiting to, you know, you, you've had a case to make for quite a while that you should probably get a title shot.
2: Well, it's on my mind, and uh, if I get this win, I deserve it. Uh, you know, Romero deserves it also, but he should have got got his shot already. Yep. That's the problem. They're holding the middleweight division, and uh, the people that's, that should have got the Dallas shot, they're not getting. So, uh, you know, I, I need to get focused on getting this win. Uh, I'm thinking about what's going to happen next, but, you know, once the case is closed, you're not thinking about money or you don't think about contract. A fighter, you just... You know, it is on your back, on your back of your mind, uh, the the months that you're training towards the fight. But you know, at the end of the day, fighting, it's all about the fighting
1: then. Do you think that there was, there was a time, because you, you've been fighting uh, you know, for, for, for quite a while now, is there a particular time in the sport that you see that maybe that sort of thing changed where you know, the focus went away from rankings and, and maybe a little more toward um, you know, marketability or, or storylines behind the scenes, that kind of thing? Or did, did, you, did you notice it as it was happening?
2: No, oh, it's always been like that. Sometimes uh, they need to build up a fighter. Sometimes uh, uh, they find a favorable opponent for them to get win. You know, it's all about. Uh, you know, sometimes some people get title shot they didn't even deserve. Uh, I've seen Chelsea fight John Jones and he wasn't, he wasn't, even, he wasn't even winning.
1: So, right.
2: you know, these things happen.
1: You know, uh, you you have uh, you're originally from Iran, but uh, you you've you've been over in Holland for so many years and, and trained over there from that uh, very rich tradition of of uh, Dutch striking. And uh, I just kind of wanted to ask you if uh, I I know there was some concern the uh, last time around when we were dealing with this proposed travel ban over here that there could be some issues getting you over here. And fortunately, that that is on off the table for now, but did you get any insight into if that sort of thing were to come up again? Would that create future problems for you, or do you have any idea?
2: Well, I was in training camp when, I, when the first travel ban came. So uh, with that the travel ban, uh, I wouldn't be able to get into U.S. So that would have been a problem for me. But uh, eventually that got uh, rid of, and uh, with the second one, uh, of course, I was able to come and uh, I don't know if it's intact or not now, but uh, with that one, I, was, uh, I would be able
1: to come. Well, it's tied up in the courts right now, so hopefully uh, we'll we'll th- uh, throw that thing out so we don't have any trouble getting uh, getting you over here, because I like watching you fight. So I like being able to come to those fights uh, and see you, you in thank person. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gegard Mousasi yes, uh, takes on Chris Weidman this weekend. Thanks so much for the time, Gegard. Always enjoy watching you fight, and good luck in there Saturday night. Thank you very much. Thank you. So a couple of things there, Frank. First, with Weidman, you heard him say that um, you know he's not too worried about the 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 takedown, no takedown kind of thing because Musasi is guaranteeing that he won't be taken down um weidman saying doesn't really matter i don't have to have a wrestling game to beat this guy but that being said do you think uh it gets a little scarier for uh weidman a little hairier if he tries to uh, or if he is forced to stand and strike with mousasi
0: no i think weidman is a very good boxer uh I think that, I'll, but but I think that what he has. I mean, if they were to fight, and this is a K one fight, mm-hmm. uh, I would probably put my money on Gegard. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, saying okay, you know, over three rounds, you know, the Gegard in a pure pure striking match, is probably going to edge out uh, 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 to Weidman. I don't think it's a massacre. I don't think that, and I wouldn't be surprised if Weidman catches him with a a nice right hand and puts him to sleep, you know, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. I think that they're pretty, you know, uh, Giggard has an advantage, but I don't give it a drastic, oh shit, you better get this guy down. Advantage. I think that uh, uh, you know Weidman has great head movement, great hands, understands distance. But I think what makes him extremely dangerous, and why I still personally think Weidman is one of the best middleweights in the world, is that he puts it together so well. Mm. I mean, his wrestling—he's taking down Yoel Romero, who's internationally. Uh, 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 ranked uh, competitor in wrestling, uh, his hands. I mean, he's he's knocked out Anderson Silva. Uh, his submissions. He's a he's a legitimate, not just a you know. Well, you have a name, so I'm going to attach my name to your name. Black belt. He's a mm-hmm. legitimate black belt under Hinzo Gracie. Um, so, and he puts it together so well. He's a great mixed martial artist. Great endurance. Great rhythm. Great work. You know. You know. The fight with Yoel, he got caught. Um, he took a shot at the wrong time, and Yoel man you know whether he's seen it or not i don't know mm-hmm. he fired the knee at the perfect opportunity and Yol is a very powerful guy that knee probably puts everybody to sleep uh if he catches it. Yeah. but you know but that being said Yole won the fight with one second of winning that was the only time you ever won that was winning the fight no it's true it yeah, was he a was complete doing well yeah. shut out for wide
1: wide man was doing well oh, yeah. yeah it was
0: completely dominating taking yeah. him down outboxing him throwing him around like it was about as one-sided of a fight where a guy isn't getting you know not a 10-8 rounds mm-hmm. but as far as complete okay that guy without a doubt nobody in the world is going to confuse who won this round yeah right mm-hmm. and and uh you know so i i think that an mma fight still uh I'm still in this fight Going with um, uh, Weidman I think that uh, That that extra factor That he can change it up With the takedowns Is going to mm-hmm. make his hands That much more dangerous Whereas Gegard Doesn't have that extra threat uh, He has a couple Good leg trips and, and he's very good At jiu-jitsu On the ground actually But as far as Getting it there When he's on his feet He's going to throw strikes I don't think he changes It up as well His stance His feet are closer together There's not as much uh, Level changes And misdirection With his stand up You're going to get a very high-level kickboxer standing in front of you, and if you engage it into a grappling match or you leave it an opportunity, he's very good at submissions. But you know, as far as a complete MMA orientated game, where it's like, okay, here comes the right, left. Now he's gonna grab your leg, pull it out from under you. Oh, you stop the shot. Now he hits you with an uppercut. That 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 ability to transition from uh, style to style or, mm-hmm. or range to range, you know, uh, Weidman is extremely good at it.
1: Now, for Musasi's part. Uh- he was saying, and you heard there in the audio, that, uh, you know, he thinks, for example, a tell that he's picked up on with Weidman is he doesn't think Weidman can shoot uh, fighting backwards. And he thinks that, you know, Weidman uh, fights, a, a, I guess, a pretty predictable style. I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, but I think that's the gist of what he was saying there at the beginning. Do you think there's anything particularly predictable about Weidman like Musasi is is saying?
0: Uh, I don't know if it's predictable but it's uh hmm. no I guess to me when I say predictable mm-hmm. I- well, I guess it depends on what his definition of, of being predictable is. Uh, Weidman doesn't telegraph anything, but I think that he has a very good format of he comes forward behind punches, and then if you make a mistake or he sees an opportunity, he takes you down at the right time. I guess you can say that's predictable that that's what he's going to do. But but I could say that about any fighter. Once yeah. once we know what they're good at, I mean, I could say the same about Masasi. He's very predictable. He's going to be a very good kickboxer, and if you shoot on him and take a bad shot, you might get kneed in the face, or he could just slap an arm bar on you while you're going down it's like well I mean the guy has 40 fights for me to pull off if I can tell you what he's good at and what he's probably yeah, not going to be good at so the whole predictable uh, you know, I don't know it's a weird description to me because it's like it's kind of one of those moments I'd be like well, no shit mm-hmm. <laughs> you mean he's going to use really good wrestling hands and jujitsu all combined together it's like yeah Okay. But, I mean, just because you know, that's like me saying, the, you know, George St. Pierre, he's going to throw hand combinations, keep me off rhythm, and then the minute I think I'm throwing a strike, he's going to hit me with perfect timing on the takedown. Predictable. It's like, yeah, stop it now. Right. <laughs> There's the next thing. You know, it's like, hey, do you know that when you fight Damien Maya, that he's probably going to try to grab you with a single against the cage, rip you down, and then he's going to crush you with jiu-jitsu, and the minute you make a mistake, he's going to choke you unconscious. Oh, predictable. Predictable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. (laughs)
1: after you get choked out you can wake up and go I could have predicted that I saw that
0: coming it's like Mark Hunt's gonna hit you really really
1: hard it's like
0: well you know yeah predicting something and stopping it are kind of two different things
1: very nice well lots to uh, look forward to there particularly uh, the main and the co-main ufc 210 this weekend are we going to try to pull off a fight companion or are you booked did you figure that no, out
0: it, it looks like that thing's canceled uh, they never okay. they never uh, uh took care of uh, the transactions on on malky and abe's part so okay uh it looks like uh i get to go watch cage's football game in the morning yep. and then uh, hopefully to, uh, that night we'll uh
1: what do you say we do a little uh ufc 210 fight companion right here in the phone booth fighting bunker
0: sounds good we'll be able to do it live then
1: yeah we'll do it live we'll stream it saturday night we've got the monitor we'll be able to talk about it and we'll see if we can't get uh i don't know maybe at least one mystery guest in here on the mystery guest couch you and i together have a rolodex we do might be able to think of someone we've been around the sport a little bit could invite over yep yep okay between the two of us we've got two heavyweight championships yeah (laughs) That's pretty good, I'm man. Gonna start explaining it that way. Because it sounds a little. It sounds if good. you don't know, you're like, yeah. oh, I guess they won one a piece. Which one of the two of us, we've averaged out a, a yeah, heavyweight we, title. We've had two title reigns. Yeah, totally. Okay. I like that. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's do this because uh, we've we got a place to be. But if. Uh, Uh, You want to tune in uh, Saturday night. We'll uh, try streaming Fight Companion on our Phone Booth Fighting Facebook page and then uh, post it up uh, later. And remember to subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel at Phone Booth Fighting because now we are posting up uh, videos of all the episodes uh, starting with our last one and then we'll do one with this one as well so it's not just audio anymore video for 2017 that's the mantra you want to follow us on social media me on uh, facebook at official richard hunter twitter and instagram is richard hunter he is facebook at official frank mirror twitter and instagram at the frank mirror and frank if they want to follow the show known as phone booth fighting tell them what to do
0: on Facebook and Instagram, you can follow us at uh, Phone Booth Fighting and uh, Snapchat and Twitter, it's uh, Phone Booth Fight.
1: That is it. Thanks for being a part of this one. For Frank Mir, I'm Richard Hunter and we'll see you next time right here on Phone Booth Fighting.
0: Everybody was Kung Fu fighting Those kids were fast as lightning In fact, it was a little bit frightening But they